Access matters. Access matters. Access matters. Access matters. Access matters. A podcast of Ira with Janine Stanley. Episode six: Practical Access. Welcome to Access Matters. I'm Janine Stanley, Ira's Director of Customer Success and Engagement. In this episode, we're going to talk all about practical access. What does practical access mean? I took a recent vacation with my family, and during that vacation, practical access took the form of a whole mix of things from applications to actual human beings providing services in a way that I could take advantage of to the fullest. When it all comes down to it, as you'll hear in today's interview, we all have some very basic needs, and meeting those basic needs is really what practical access comes down to. And when you think about what people really need, uh, food, safety, security, etc., those are all pretty important. And then we get to things like community and affiliation, and those things can't really happen to the fullest without the initial access. That's the key. Why do people get interested in advocating for greater access in their communities? Today's guest, Anthony Corona, is one of those people who, long before a move down the East Coast, realized that advocating for access to his community was going to play a major role in his life. And now, my interview with Anthony Corona. I'm the Access Governmental Affairs Chairperson for the Florida Council of the Blind. For those who might not be familiar, it's an affiliate of the American Council of the Blind. And I've been in this position, this is my second year now, I'm tutelaged under an amazing um, advocator, Ms. Debbie Grubb. Oh, yes. And um, I have, you know, a lot of open projects right now and, and very happy to to be seeing some of the fruits of the labor, to see some of the just changes happening and, and some things moving forward. You are also an amazing community advocate on a number of levels. To start and, and get our audience familiar with what those levels are, let's hear a little bit about your backstory. You are uh, obviously a New Yorker. You can't lose the accent. It's kind of like my Appalachian. You can't oh, lose Oh, is that what gave me away, Janine? <laughs> I mean, really? Come on now. <laughs> Yeah, I'm originally from Staten Island. I was born in Staten Island. My father in my young life was in the Navy. So we lived in Virginia. We lived in Texas. I spent the bulk of my life, though, in New York City. I was sighted until uh, I turned 40. And during that 40th year, it was it was a bad year. I lost my dad. I lost my eyes all in like the space of, of a week. At that point, I was working for the Associated Press. I had been there for 10 and a half years as the East Coast Entertainment Editor. And, and that was not a position that I could quickly learn some skills and, and just be able to do. I had a period of time where I was on sabbatical, a longer period of time where they kept me on the books and gave me small projects to do while I was trying to learn as much tech and mobility as I could. But eventually we all did, did realized and decided that it was it, that piece of the business is too fast paced for me to be able to do without sight. And being that it's entertainment, which covers movies, videos, you know, photographs. I had to come to terms with that. And two short years later, I fell in love and moved to Florida, 
where my advocacy in, in the blind and low vision community really began. Before that, I had been um, advocating with the autism community research and early intervention. Uh, I had originally gone to school for recreational therapy. But when I got to Florida, I got involved with the Florida Council of the Blind. And I had been involved with New York State Council of the Blind uh, on a small level. But it wasn't until I got to Florida that I really found my advocacy home. Certainly on many levels, there's a lot of advocacy needed in Florida. I think we can say that for any side that you're on, I guess. Advocating on the human services side for actual people is something that never, never goes away in Florida. And part of that is because of that transient population. I, I just wanted to say this one sentence. I, I do believe, no matter, as I love the way you phrased it, no matter what side you fall on, I do believe that advocating, you know, in all of these various realms uh, for service, for understanding, you know, for inclusion is in all 50 states. You know, it's varying degrees. And because of a certain race that's happening and, you know, certain high, high profile acts that have happened here in Florida, I think we're a little bit more on the radar than other places, but it's everywhere you go. And I, I just really want people to always remember that. I ask everyone who comes on this podcast, what does access mean to you? The term access, if you could define it uh, beyond the dictionary, what, what does that mean to you? From a very personal standpoint, access for me means that in a space and place where I feel that the playing field is level that because of my blindness and, and other areas that, that I advocate for, that in spite of those or because of them, I'm on that level playing field. And, and that's what, that's my personal heart definition. With that definition that I like the equal playing field, I don't think anyone has quite put it that way yet uh, here on Access Matters. So being on that level playing field then, what kinds of things are you able to bring to the table in your various roles? Well, I, I um, always start off with saying I'm a people person. I, I love making someone's day, finding something new and interesting about someone, um, learning something from them, and hopefully teaching or, or enlightening them in a way that they might not have before interacting with me. I consider myself to be a pretty smart person. I had a great GPA and a lot of life experience. <laughs> and when you when you marry intelligence uh, with with a good set of life experiences, it enables you to be a great conversationalist. On top of that, I believe that I'm I'm a high level empathetic kind of person, which again, you know, add that to the mix just just takes advocacy and and outreach to the next level. And I'm constantly searching for what I like to call the compassionate space in the heart. I truly believe, again, kind of going back to that, no matter what side or color you fall on, I, I truly believe that when we step back and we think about things as, and I'm using air quotes, humans from the human heart, we can at least find understanding of difference and still agree to disagree without the hurt that that seems to be so very prevalent in in the world we live in now 
I was making an observation as you were telling your backstory about how going from that fast-paced uh, media world into blindness, and your blindness was not a gradual thing, was it? It was a pretty no. sudden thing. Yeah. And it, it, that had to have been quite a shock. I know uh, a lot of our guests on this particular podcast have uh, been very honest about being uh, trying to pass, basically, as cited. I'm guilty as charged. Uh, we had a lot of time. You did not. I'm just wondering a little bit about how that has shaped um, this view that you have of advocacy and of uh, what you bring to the table. You know, when when you're involved at, in a high level in an organization like the American Council of the Blind, and, and I have friends in NFB and, and the various other organizations, you find yourself in these conversations often. My partner happens to be someone that has RP, and so he lost it mm -hmm. in stages and in plateaus. Mm -hmm. And he's also someone who is very honest about trying to quote unquote pass. I, the only way that I can really explain this is I didn't think about it much and I thought about it every moment of every day I was so focused on trying for, at first to get back to work to get back to the life that I'm used to I knew and so I need to get mobility I need to learn this I need why what's that thing talking why how do they make the computer talk like that um and I, you know once it talks like that I'm gonna be golden I know how to use the computer I've been using it since I'm six years old uh so I really didn't stop and think I most certainly didn't stop and grieve. And a year or so into it, when things started to slow down and and I didn't have a job and I'm <laughs> trying to figure out which jobs to look for. And I was in the process of trying to get a guide dog. That's when I, I really started to acknowledge and understand that I had put it on the back of the shelf because I didn't really want to deal with it. It was in my face every moment, every time that I poured coffee and spilled or, or you know, I thought the glass mm -hmm. was an inch away from where it was and then it was shattered all over the floor. Oh, I couldn't yeah. escape it, but I didn't really feel it or think about it for a long time. And when I finally had to, I did some therapy to understand what I was really feeling. And a lot of it was mixed up with my dad dying too. So there was, there was sure. a lot to unpack, but I was 40 years old and you know, with the grace of, of whatever higher power you might happen to believe in, I wanted another 40 years and I didn't want to live like that. So, you know, I kind of had to force myself to make the, it take the box off the back of the shelf, open it up and take everything out and see exactly what it was and what I needed to do with it. I think people often say, oh, I could never, you know, if I went blind, I could never do that. I would you know, do something drastic. Janine, I was one of those people. I was. I and I've told this story in, in another avenue. Um, very short story. Mm -hmm. I don't do well with the cane. And I had gotten to the point where I can't do this for another 40, 50 years. I, I can't live this way. And I had placed everything on getting my guide dog. And I was matched with my guide, my current guide dog's brother, actually, and he was too much dog for me. And I thought, okay, well, I hadn't had a plan in my head per se, but mm -hmm. I know what what I need to do now. I need to wrap things up, tell everyone that I love that I love them, and and I've had a good life. And thankfully, and I'm crossing myself as I say this, um, I got rematched with Bodie, and that's really when life came back for me. 
or began to come back for me. I can empathize with that. I got to a point when I lost, finally admitted that I, I had lost all of my vision to glaucoma. And it was a bit of a slow slide, but it was, you know, one of those, I can't do this anymore. I just can't do this anymore. And I think for anyone who is out there in the quote unquote regular world and is listening to this podcast and thinking, oh, you guys are just really brave. I could never do that. You, you probably could. If you are facing this, if one of your employees is facing something like this, ask ask how you can be supportive please because you never know what even a small bit of assistance out there can mean to somebody and i'm going to add to that by saying don't ask all the time but don't stop asking completely either because in the beginning at least for me and and a few that i've spoken with throughout the years now we wouldn't be able to tell you what we need. And most likely, I, I know what I would have told you. I don't need anything. I'm good. Thank you. Yep. Because I didn't want to seem weak. I didn't want to appear, you know, needy to anyone. And I pushed a lot of people away and and they stopped asking. And I, I've apologized and, and made my amends for those things. But that's the one thing I will definitely add. Don't ask every day because it, it it's hurtful and it, it it's annoying. But don't mm-hmm. stop asking either. Let's talk about where you live now and, of course, going back to New York, but where you live now and uh, what having access means in your day-to-day life. Tell us about uh, where you live and what kinds of things you are able to access in that area. Well, I'm going to jump back to New York for a second. For those of you who have watched movies and, and have never actually experienced New York City, and I grew up in New York City. Staten Island is a suburb. It's it's a little bit more spread out and more suburban. But the rest of New York is, you can walk out your door and you'll never walk more than 10 or so blocks to find transportation. That's the world I grew up in and living in. It's awesome. It is. And it's, it's good <laughs> transportation. It's not the best in the world. But it is probably one of the best transit systems in this country, at least. And it is, it's, you know, it, it is everything when, when you live in a city like New York. So I moved to New Miami, Florida for love and, and for a better life. It, it definitely, I don't have to shovel snow. <laughs> so right then and there, it's a better life. The trade-off transportation here is not very good. It's an antiquated, very old system that's still being used. It's a lot of fixed route. And to get, it's a very, very spread out. Miami-Dade County is the city, basically. Um, You know, what people think of as, you know, Miami South Beach, that's an island off, you know, off of the main county. And there's a bunch of islands that, that consist of. So you'd have to transfer from my house, which is a less than 10 minute drive to the beach, I would have to take three buses to get to the beach. So I I was shell-shocked. You know, the idea that for me to get out and get somewhere, if I want to use paratransit, of course, you need at least 24 hours to, to make that those plans. Mm-hmm. Um, but even getting to the beach or getting to, to go shopping, I literally have to plan it out, find out when the bus, because the bus is also 
um, you know, New York City, they run 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Oh, yeah. um, not so much here. So sometimes you'll have the buses run once every two hours, uh, you know, once every 15 minutes or once every two hours. And at two o'clock to six o'clock in the morning, there's no buses at all. And so that that completely shook my life up. And I, I'm still, quite honestly, learning things about how to travel here in my home city. And it it it, it knocked me in, in, on the hubris ladder down a peg a few or a few because you, you think it wow if I can drive in New York if I can travel in New York if I can you know go from the the subway to the Long Island Railroad to riding a bike then I can travel anywhere in the world and well you know what's that song say <laughs> if you can make it there you can make it anywhere <laughs> not so much no, though um, not so much and yeah. so it's been a it's it's been a a big learning curve here I want to do whatever I can to help my personal family and and my my larger community family get closer to a place of feeling that I had what right before I left New York. I believe it's possible. I I know that more, much more advocacy is needed and much more hands and 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 feet are needed. But I'm I'm not gonna stop trying. So you talked about computers and uh, learning computer skills and uh, all sorts of adaptations. So what kind of technology do you use? What kind of assistive tech? What are some of the things that you find yourself using every day to maintain this level of access? Well, I'm an Apple boy. <laughs> all right. You know, I, I did some research <laughs> when I first started using voiceover and understood that Apple revolutionized uh, assistive technology. And so, you know, they'll always have a level of loyalty for me. You know, that comes with voiceover and the Mac is is a tool that I always used in media. Um, it's a, most media outlets are a lot more Mac based than they are Windows. Oh, absolutely. Um, but what I remember from my visual life and then what the, com- you know, what the computer is telling me, that took a long adjustment to stop my brain from trying to find it the way I remember seeing it. But I'm going off on a tangent. Uh-huh. Um, there's another product <laughs> called Envision Glasses. It runs on the Google Enterprise, yes. uh, you know, the Google Glass system. And you know, over the last year, the improvements that have come to, I would say I use them maybe two or three times a week for the first year that I had them. Mm-hmm. Over this last year, I, I'm now using them multiple times a day. And and I absolutely love them. As far as some apps and, and um, you know, mobile technology, uh, <laughs> I've been a part of the Ira family for a long time at this point. Uh, Ira was one of the oh, first... Yes. <laughs> Uh, tools that I found. Everybody was using something called Nearby Explorer. And oh, yes. and I, I used that for a little while. I, I loved it. But then Microsoft Soundscape came out. And the other one, uh, Seeing AI, sorry, they came out relatively. And so yep. Tap Tap C and all those other ones, I kind of faded into the background between the native stuff that's already in the Apple products and then these Microsoft products, and of course, Ira. Ira was a life cha- was a life changer for me. There's a new app that I am very, very fond of. It's called Oko. 
And I truly, wow, truly yes. hope that um, they find a way to make that available on the Envision glasses. That'll make my life even easier. For those who are not familiar, OCO is an app that identifies walk lights with signals and uh, lets people know when the signal changes. And as you're walking across the street, it will help you keep track of where that signal is and where that pole is so you don't fear uh, as you're walking, which a lot of us are are inclined to do. I have to tell you, Janine, too, the Envision Glasses uh, incorporated an AI uh, function. And Be My Eyes um, recently incorporated it. And I've been using both of those as well. But my preferred, and there are a few out there, my preferred AI technology is the Bing chat. And uh-huh. it that also, you know, I ask it, I need to get here. And it will give me, you know, step-by-step directions. I can double check that with maps. And with AI technology, I always make this disclaimer, Check and double check because it can give you wrong information. Yes. Yes. Um, But what I love about Bing (laughs) is that it gives you all of the reference points right there. So you can check them out for yourselves and matching all of these tech or marrying all of these technologies with themselves, with each other has made getting through the day, both, you know, travel wise and also, you know, getting tasks done it has given me more and more of my day back. Now, if I can just get paratransit and the fixed route systems down here to work, (laughs) then I'd be back to my Uh New York level of life. As we think about those prevalent initials in our minds these days and talk about coalition building, D, E, I, and A, which I'm sure there are a couple other letters in there as well. Now, I've, I've heard a few other variations of that, but The whole space of diversity, equity, inclusion, and now accessibility. How do you think that's going? I hate that it took so long to get, you know, the A into, and it's not even, you know, it doesn't roll off the mouth, but it took so long to get the A. So that's my first comment. You know, people listening may have picked up, I've used the the term my partner multiple times. I'm part of the LGBTQIA Oh God, have they added any more letters? No, I'm kidding. A community. And um, <laughs> so I have been advocating, I, I've been advocating since I'm a teenager. The true answer to your question is I don't think we're doing very well with it. Honestly, I don't think we're doing very well at all. I think there are a lot of initiatives out there and there's a lot of true and and positive coverage, both you know, media and you know, government and 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 corporate services. The want is there. The the want to do better, the want to elevate and allow for that level playing field that I, you know, we opened up talking about. That I believe is there, but we're not anywhere near where I think we should be at this point. And, you know, we could go through symptoms, you know, again, that could also be a five-hour conversation. But I, I think the biggest symptom that, you know, it, we're looking at at this point is we're no longer hearing each other with hearts. We're no longer looking at each other, you know, through our hearts. And we're not even allowing our mind to weigh the balance scales. It's, this is what, you know, this is what my community, this is what my family, this is what my, the people that I work with, this is, you know, and you get into that tribal mindset and that's 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 stalling 
progress in so many areas. You know, you could say that's stalling uh, progress in climate change. That's most definitely stalling progress with mental health, um, with LGBTQ oh, yeah. rights. But it it also is affecting our communities in the fact that the things that we need and want are even slower to happen. But I am I'm someone who likes to, you know, make sure that the onus is truly placed everywhere that it belongs that it belongs. And we have to accept and understand the onus that's on us. It's easy to get mad. And I'm never going to tell anyone not to get mad. In fact, get mad and use your mad to be righteous and to to, to fuel you. I'm never going to say don't don't get sad, don't get depressed. You know, that's the that's unrealistic. But there comes a point where you have to take those feelings and either recycle them into something else or set them free because you have to set yourself free. And and truly, the humanness of ourselves is mirrored back to us in the humanness that we seek, see, and, you know, and accept in others, even if they are diametrically completely opposed to you in all the ways they think feel and live their lives there's still one thing that you have in common you both have beating hearts and and i think that you know the more we put that kind of energy into the world in everything we do the more the pendulum will swing back that's really what access embodies literally uh is that sense that at some very very basic level we are all the same and we all have these things in common that when they are challenged you know uh, we all need to stick up for each other a certain company that i know is is very fond of access is a human right and you know when when i first started you know hearing that it was like a smack upside the back of the head with one of my grandmother's wooden spoons like Oh my God. Yeah, of course it is. <laughs> why, why haven't we been saying this uh-huh. for 10 years? <laughs> and it's it's almost hard to believe because we, I think, have settled for so long for whatever we could get from, from the system, from various people even on a one-on-one basis. And now to say, wait a minute, I, I actually deserve this. This is something that I require. And it goes back to access to visual information. So many of us who have been blind for a while have said, you know, okay, I got along without it. I'm fine. You know, I'll take audio description, but if it's not there, I'm okay. You know what? I'm not okay anymore. (laughs) I, I have been exposed now to all of those things that are visual that I am missing. And now I get a little upset if my technology doesn't work because I don't have cell service Mm -hmm. in the middle of the Pacific Ocean, you know, (laughs) or, um, you know, whatever the case may be. I'm not able to take advantage of visual interpreting or Braille on an elevator. And you would be amazed how just uh, I just short circuit when I can't find the Braille signage and, uh, you know, little things like that. But having this as a as a a human right is just really really powerful i think so too and you know i'm going to say something that that's going to sound a little harsh but it you know at the base of it it's true 
if the answer in your mind and in your heart is it's too hard or, oh, it's never going to happen or it's never going to change or they're never going to listen. And I get millions of examples, but you, you figure out what I'm saying here. If you subscribe to that in your head and heart, then you just answered, you just answered your own question for you. It's never going to happen. Everybody should be advocating every day. And having said that, I don't think everybody should be me or you or Everett or Clark Rockfell or, you know, the, the, the shines in our communities. But that concept of if you see something, say something, it can be so small. It can be walking into the store where you just bumped into one of those overhanging, flying, flan waving, you know, fabric signs and saying, hey, mm -hmm. you know, uh -huh. I can't, and many others in my community can't see this. And so, you know, if you raised it up a foot or moved it here or there, small acts are just as powerful and just as important and just as needed as the big ones or the moderate ones. You have taken part in some publicity for us here at Ira with the city of Miami Beach and uh, Miami-Dade County. Let's talk a little bit about that. We'll have some representatives from Miami-Dade County and city of Miami Beach, etc. on Access Matters soon. But tell me a little bit about what you've been doing in terms of advocacy. So the city of Miami Beach itself, like I said, it's an island. And so it is a, the full island is an Ira access point which is great. And then Miami-Dade County took them longer as it can at a county level. <laughs> Imagine a whole uh, a whole state level, but um you know they, yeah. they it took them some time but they followed suit. Um and they have rolled it out in all of the government oh. buildings, the libraries, a lot of the recreation areas, but mm. if the people mover no seats just the poles. That's all part of the link service. And so they wanted to put a PSA out and approached I'm president of the Miami Beach Council of the Blind, an affiliate of the Florida Council of the Blind. Uh, they approached our local chapter and, and asked if we would participate. And so Gabriel and I spent about four hours filming with them yesterday. We went in and out of buildings. We found a reception desk. We did all of the typical uses of IRA when you're, you know, traveling. And, I, you know, it's going to be wheedled down to, I, I was told there's going to be two different versions, um, a longer version and then a website slash on all of the, when you go into rooms, like waiting rooms, all that pre-programmed in the government buildings, it's going to be all over the place. Um, so I hope I looked pretty in, this, in these videos, but... Yeah, so we spent um, we spent the day doing that, and and really, um, we met the uh, ADA compliance coordinator, I believe is her exact title for Miami Dade County, who had been wanting to meet for a long time, so it was perfect. You know, I got that introduction, and then I, I hope you don't mind. I'm gonna put a little uh, sidebar out there. I've also been working oh, with a local. Supermarket chain. Well, not local. I mean, they're they're throughout the southeast. But I've been trying to get them to give me a meeting <laughs> to to get them to consider <laughs> Ira. We did a small little run through the supermarket uh, to show the the you know uses of Ira in in a supermarket and the fact that yes, thank you so much that there is always a customer service person hopefully a few minutes yes. and not, you know, a half hour or 45 minutes <laughs> away from helping you. Uh -huh. But more importantly, being able to walk through the door, 
find a few. Pro- I don't think I ever do a four hundred dollar shop. I have to be honest. I, oh I, goodness, no. no, that that would. But to be yeah. able to do a fifty four dollar <laughs> shop in fifteen minutes, all by myself, mm-hmm. that's more valuable to me and to my my need to be independent than anything else. Thank you for providing the customer service. I will always highlight the great ones that helped me, but it means a thousand times more to be able to do it for myself. And so I got an email this morning because I had uh, I had contacted them yesterday. The video was, was filmed. They should be sending you the raw footage. And this person now is bringing it to a certain corporate team uh, to get a meeting on the books. They asked a couple of questions that sort of like what you were asking today. You know, what does it mean for you? Why is this so important for you? And those weren't questions that she would have thought to ask in the initial conversation. And even if I had harped on those points, there's something to be said for the me personally telling her and then showing her with a video. But, you know, the personalization of it is what really counts. And with any technology, you know, it doesn't matter what you're deploying uh, at with your business or at your workplace uh, to actually see the impact that it does directly have on people and how they use it is really, really instructive. And I think it's um, it behooves you if you can to make sure that you can get a demo of the product. You know, I'm not saying don't ever take anybody's word for it, but uh, see for yourself what it can do for the people that really appreciate using it. And that can be anything from Ira to an app to a labeling system, whatever it is. And know that one product is not going to meet all of your needs. I think that's a yeah. that's a big one. But I'll tell you what, I, after spending about 15 minutes going around this large cheese display at the deli at one of my local stores that is going to soon have Ira, we hope, uh, I spent so much money because I said, oh, look, I didn't know they had that. Mm-hmm. Let me get one of those <laughs> before I knew it. So as we have said here many times before, people with disabilities have money. We'd love to spend it at your business. Janine, I recently found out they make birthday cake Oreos. Never heard oh, of it Oh, my before. goodness. Never. Oh. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's a delicious sidebar. <laughs> Birthday cake frappuccino is magical. Well, Anthony, you are all over the place online. You have a number of things that you do online and uh, places where people can hear you uh, much more. (laughs) Tell us a little bit about uh, where we can find you online and where we can uh, hear more from Anthony and also, you know, maybe reach out to you. Well, I host a podcast on the ACB Media Network called Sunday Edition. And sometime between now and the end of January, I will be launching a website and a blog that goes alongside it. Uh, working on it now with some ACB awesome. notables. But it'll be fully independent. I'm, I want to brand up Sunday Edition. So if you'd like to reach out to me, you can get me at Sunday Edition AC all one word, no hyphens or anything, Sunday edition AC at gmail.com. You can find Sunday edition on all your major podcast catchers or by going to acbmedia.org and looking under podcasts. I am also involved in Pride Connection. I One of my guilty pleasures is soap operas. So I also am a co-host on Take the Number Two Radio Soaps. You can find that wherever you get your podcasts. 
And I do a lot of freelance writing. That's a that's going to be a section of the Sunday edition website as well. Yeah, I think that's those are the best ways to reach me. And we will list all of those in the show notes. If you happen to miss one, never fear, they will be in the show notes and there will be links. Well, thank you so much, Anthony. And please give Bodhi a scratch for will me. Do. Anthony and I have known each other since that first guide dog yes. experience. So it's been so much fun to get to know you more over the years and to be able to feature your work and Gabriel's work at advocating for a more accessible world. Thank you so much. Can I leave the audience with one thought? Absolutely. I was saying earlier, you know, advocate, do something every day. And and I truly do believe that if it's an email, if it's a phone call, you know, I, I say that if I'm going to post something on my socials, it is most definitely accompanied with at least an email to my local representative state, what, you know, where whatever I'm posting about. My dad always taught my sister and myself, don't be afraid to ask the questions. And so, you know, when you're in your supermarket or you're in a local business, when you are at your airport, it cannot hurt to ask and start the conversation, whether it be advocating for IRA, advocating for, you know, a pedestrian signal at a particularly interesting spot. If you don't make that first contact, then it's never going to happen. And it, it doesn't hurt to ask. So thank you so much for letting me uh, ram- ramble on and on today. <laughs> We appreciate having you as part of the IRA family, and uh, we're, we're looking forward to that grocery store coming online with us. Awesome. To continue the theme of practical access, we have a little demonstration of one of the features of the IRA app. Now, there are, as Anthony noted, many apps that people use to increase their access to goods, services, experiences, etc., One of the features that we have in the IRA app is called screen sharing. This is a feature that's available through iOS and Android phones and can be used for a number of things. In this example with an IRA agent, Everett takes a look at some workmen at his home. Hi, Harmony. How are you? I'm doing good. Thank you. And yourself? Oh, doing just fine. Hey, um, I want to do a screen share with you. Uh, and I want to see if you can see um, through my Ring app on my doorbell if there's anybody at the front door or anything like that, or a package or something. All right. So I can let's do that. go. All right. Gonna go do screen share here. Just give me a second. Everett sets up the screen share in the Ira app. This will allow the agent to see his phone screen and okay, hence the video right from now. the Ring doorbell camera. Okay, good. I'm going to go ahead and go to the Ring app. This allows for a quick and seamless transition for the agent to assist the customer. You're still with me, right? Yes, I I can see you switching apps right now. Okay, good. Yeah. (laughs) There's Ring, okay. So I just got a notification that there was somebody at my door. I don't know if it's still there, though. You know, I do see like a one notification and a front door icon with an image. Um, this seems to be someone opening the door. They're holding. Oh, there is. Mm-hmm. Okay, and they're holding what? Uh, they're holding a metal device, opening the red door from the inside, coming oh. out from the inside. There's also a big, large gray truck uh, parked out front, uh, saying something to the effect of sugar paint, or. Yeah. 
Yeah, that, something paint. <laughs> that is awesome. I do. I have some painters that are going in and out of my house, and that is really cool. Um, <laughs> I yeah. yeah, I did not. I but um, and so you totally can see everything through the camera and. Oh yeah, uh, I could see that he's got like painting materials. He's wearing like a white painter's outfit. He's opening the door, coming outside, like coming from the inside out, mm -hmm. and uh, the gray door van parked out here the doors are open so that's why i can't read the full name looks like they're going to go and grab more items from the van all right awesome harmony thank you so much this has been very helpful i really appreciate it i'm gonna go ahead and go back to the ira explorer app and end the call so thank you yes yeah, so you have a great rest of your day then you too bye-bye you can see how practical this particular feature of an app is and what it means to have access to information about what's going on in the world around you. We hope you've enjoyed today's show. Here's some information about our guest, Anthony Corona. Listen to Anthony on ACB Radio Sunday Edition, https slash slash www.acbmedia.org slash category slash se. Email him at sundayeditionac at gmail.com. You can also catch him on the Pride Connection and take two Radio Soaps podcasts. If you have questions or comments about the show, you can email us at accessmatters at ira.io. You've been listening to Access Matters with Janine Stanley. This podcast is a production of Ira Tech Corp. To learn more about visual interpreting, visit our website, http://ira.io, or email us at access at ira.io. <laughs>